relationships and their connection to our growth in Christ. And we've been using, again, I'll tell you every week, we've been using some of the material that Pete and Jerry Scazzaro um, came up with in their book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and its resources. So if you do want to um, go a little bit deeper into what we're talking about, you can dive in there and you'll hear like what we've been talking about in our services resonating through uh, all their books in a much deeper way, so you can you can dive in there if you want to do that. Um, and maybe you think what we've been going through as far as talking about our emotions and things like that, maybe it's a bit too pop psychology for church time or too much therapy versus, you know, digging into biblical truth, or that maybe we're stretching the stories and we're we're putting our lens on what's going on in those stories versus what's really happening and, and, uh, and that. And I get it. I get it. It can be tough to go through these things uh, and look at these things, see if the Bible does say anything about how we act emotionally and our emotional maturity and how it ties in with our spiritual maturity. Well, when I look at the, the motley crew that, that Jesus pulled together to be his followers, right, when I look at them, I feel quite certain that they brought some emotional baggage to the party, didn't they? You know, you don't get nicknames like Sons of Thunder for no reason, right? You don't get a nickname like Doubting Thomas if you don't have a few doubts. And if you don't go, you know, you're not the guy at the party that's going like, I don't know if this is going to work. And I'm like, are you sure that that's what, you know, you, you know you got a nickname because you keep showing up like that. So they brought something that they were holding on to. And again, I mean, Peter, this man was so emotionally charged up that he's chopping people's ears off, right? And that's after three years of being with Jesus, right? So we, we all have some work that we can do, right? We can all allow the fact that we have our emotions and they can get the better of us. But God does want to work on that as well as just growing our spiritual knowledge, and going, well, I know what this verse says and that verse says, and I know how it should be applied to your life. You know, we should know how to apply it to our lives too, and including our emotions. Because we can see that Jesus dealt with the whole person in his ministry, not just their spiritual condition. Yes, that was important. Yes, that was something that he really needed to do, but he didn't just neglect the rest of who they were. And that hasn't changed. God is still changing us. He's still working on us. He's still growing on us in all aspects of our lives. And last week, we spoke about uh, that he was the head of this thing called church and that we respond to what he wants us to do. We don't lead the way in that. It's actually him who leads us. And today, again, he's still desiring to do that because as resilient disciples of Christ, we need meaningful relationships with others, with other followers of Jesus that we want to be around, which is somewhat key, right? You want to be around them that will help us grow in maturity to who God really wants us to be. We have to, we have to correct something that's probably been a little bit of a weak theology in church culture, a weak idea of our relationships with God that has led us to believe that or, or work with the, this idea that we've, We've um, 
define spiritual maturity by disconnecting it from emotional maturity. We allow ourselves to get smarter in understanding God's word, but then our emotions lag behind in how we actually treat people. And uh, those two things cannot be disconnected. They need to stay connected. Now, I use the nicknames of the disciples and what it exposes about them in the Bible. Yet, right? Yet, they were also the men and women who were, who would, through the power of the Holy Spirit, change the world, all right? Doubting Thomas would stop doubting, all right? The sons of thunder would stop thundering that much and start talking about love instead. Peter would stop, you know, chopping ears off and being this impetuous leader who speaks before he thinks, and he would, he would calm down and start thinking and then speaking. It was different. They changed because of what God would do in them. The lids that were on their life, that we have put on them, uh, they, they were blown off as God transformed them wholly. Now, lids can be great. Lids can be amazing things. Uh, I make most of my coffee at home. I like doing pour-over at home, fresh grinding my beans and, and doing it all in a special way. And so I make all my coffee at home and bring it with me where, almost wherever I go. And so having a good lid on, on my, my coffee thermos is, is very important because I just chuck it in my backpack and I go. And if I don't want my backpack to be full of nasty coffee, then, uh, then I need to have good lids. So lids can be great. They can be very helpful. In a bigger sense, uh, lids can be great and understanding for us as well. Knowing the lids of our lives, of our abilities, our strengths is an amazing thing to embrace. To embrace. Uh, some of you guys know Andy here in our congregation loves golfing, but he's not going to be joining the senior PGA Tour anytime soon, right? But he could definitely kick my butt at a game of golf, right? We know the limits of where we are and what we can do. I know my limits. I know my limits in my house. It's six kids, right? It's six kids. At least at one time, it's six kids, right? In this way and in life, Limits are as much of a gift as the spiritual gifts that God is giving us. In our everyday life, we need to understand this. You have an income, right? Which means there's a limit on how much you can spend. It is wisdom to embrace this limit and foolishness to avoid it, ignore it. Our energy, our compassion, our intellect, they all have limits, and the amazing thing is these individual limits, while they may hamper us individually, corporately as the body of Christ, all they do is make room for each other's gifts so that that interdependence that we talked about last week can be seen. My headset here is falling off. However, there are, are times when limits in our lives, whether in our family of origin or here in the family of God, they place unhealthy lids on us, lids that, that limit us in our lives. Words spoken over us or about us or to us, actions done to us that are meant to put a cap on what God may have in store for us. Early, the early life of David is probably a great place, a beautiful place for us to start and look at in God's word to see how maybe God wants to speak to us today about the limits 
that, uh, that are in our lives. A few weeks ago, if you were here with us, we spoke about a guy named Saul who was the first king of Israel and how he had blown past all the steps of obedience that God had had for him. All right, so much so that it, he actually defaulted from being able to be ruler of Israel, that his family line would no longer be the line that kings passed from their son to their son to their son or daughters or anything like that. It wouldn't pass through their family lineage anymore because of his disobedience to God. And when he died, would, would die, the kingship, like I said, would pass to another. And in in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16, Samuel was a prophet in the, in the nation of Israel. It tells a story of how Samuel was searching to anoint the next king of Israel. And God leads him to a man named Jesse, and, uh, who has a bunch of sons. And Samuel asks for his sons to come before him so he can see all of his sons, and that maybe God in that moment would show him which one of his sons would be anointed as the next king king. And so that's where we pick up the story that we're going to look at today in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 11 and 13. It says, then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. See that? (laughs) Samuel asks for all of his sons to be shown, and he gathers them all, but he leaves one out in the field watching the sheep. Jesse doesn't even see his son, his youngest son, as worthy to be brought before Samuel at that moment. What a lid. The dad is going, ah, there's another one, but he's just what? He's just a sheep watcher for us, really. He's just the youngest. That's all he is. But Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and brought him in, and now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. So we need to remember, sometimes there's a gap between how others see us and how God sees us. And this will result in lids that range from like maybe mostly healthy to unhealthy to like very hurtful and painful. David's fathers and brothers didn't think that he was even capable of showing up in that moment. Not that he was necessarily not capable of kingship, that he wasn't, even, he wasn't even capable of showing up in the line to be even rejected in that moment. He should just stay in the field. Man, this mic is really giving me issues today. Sorry about that. Sometimes, in a, in a number of ways, and for a variety of reasons, those who love us most limit us most. They think they know us the best and they know what's right for us or good for us and they end up limiting us. And while God isn't actually limited by that, and we can remember it from last week when we looked at Joseph, it can be, lim- it can be a limitation for us. We can see it as a limitation even if God doesn't. 
as it was for Joseph and it would be for David and maybe in your life, God's anointing, if it's truly from God, it'll make room for you. Proverbs 18, 16 says this, a man's gift will make room for him. There's something that God has gifted each one of us to do in the body of Christ, and God will make room for your gift to be used for his glory. When we, now, when we speak of this gifting and the spiritual gifting and anointing or assignment by God or agency, like having that, that, that uh, authority to speak into those things, we're speaking in spiritual terms. We're talking about the divine purpose that God may have for you. Not merely human desires uh, or ideas, not just our personal ideas of, of what we think we should be or what we think we should do. Um, it's not about those things. It's not, it was never be, to be a divine purpose for me to be a professional baseball player, even though I really wanted to as a youth. And so we have to be careful when we go through these things and think, what do we think God has for us to do versus what does God have for us to do? Because sometimes there can be a difference. We can sometimes come up with great ideas of how we're going to be this hero for God when God really just wants our obedience. He'll give us what we need to step into. Now, in saying that, if it's a spirit-given gift, anointing, assignment, or given agency, there's going to be evidence of fruit in your life that God is at work, that people can see. I want to tell you this. You are assigned to be a godly mother, a godly father, a godly grandparent, a godly brother or sister. You are assigned to be those things. You are given agency to be a friend to someone in this discipling journey that you're on, that we are on, to help them grow in their faith in love. You are full of the Spirit, gifted, anointed, and assigned and given agency for those things. So never think that you do not have agency and assignment to do that. Those are things that God is looking for you to be. The best husband or wife that you could possibly be for your spouse. The best parent you could be for your children. Best grandparent you could be. God wants you to be those things. And often there comes defining moments in our lives where godly lids are defined and other lids are removed. And for David, we see it in the next chapter. In 1 Samuel 17, David is, he's not yet king. He's, he's already been anointed be, to be the next leader, but Saul is still there, and he's there until he dies. And calling and gifts and skills are now being activated for much more than watching sheep. And yet that's been his proving ground. Saul, the current king, is not acting as kings should and as a result, the children of Israel for 40 days have been cowering rather than rising up in courage because the Philistines, a neighboring country, they have a giant named Goliath. And maybe whether you're in the church all your life or not, you've probably heard of the story of David and Goliath. And Goliath, they believe that he is undefeatable because he's a giant. There's nobody as big, as tough, or as mean as him in battle. But isn't it true, though, that pride often comes before the fall? The minute we think we're safe and we're good 
and we think we can do it all, and there's nothing that could harm us, our pride comes in, and then the fall happens. But this giant comes out each day in front of the Israeli army, and he stands before them, boasting at them, and he laughing at them, making fun of their God, making fun of their army, challenging any one soldier to come and, and beat him in a battle one-on-one and saying that would solve the, the issue between the two nations. Just a one-on-one battle, anybody who could beat this big Goliath. But then Jesse sends David. And he doesn't send him to fight Goliath. He sends him to bring bread and cheese to his brothers who are in the army who are there to, to be uh, in, in the war. He's just there as a young boy, a shepherd boy still, just to go and bring them food from home, check on them, and bring back news to his father. He's not really even of fighting age yet. And while David is there performing that different task, he hears Goliath defying God. But he sees the conflict differently than everybody else has. They've been there for 40 days already, listening to him, mock them and and berate them. He sees the spiritual connection that most of them are missing. 1 Samuel 17, 26 says, And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, for David, the lids of family, even after being anointed, they haven't been lifted. Maybe they thought Samuel was old and maybe a little senile when he anointed David to be the next king. Or maybe they allowed envy to to grip them so tightly that their jealousy of of David stood in the way of what God was trying to do because we see in the next verses how his brothers responded says now Eliab his his eldest brother heard what he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was kindled against David and he said why have you come down and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness now David is not only he's not only just okay to take care of sheep it's only a few sheep He doesn't even have what it takes to take care of a big flock in his brother's eyes. It's only a few sheep. The lids that they have for him are are so deep and entrenched. It's annoying you, uh, me, just as much as it's annoying you. Trust me. I know your presumption, he says. And you're the evil in your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? Because he's just talking at this point. David's lids aren't just with his family at this point. Because King Saul sees a limit too. Now, ironically, Saul is tormented in his mind because of his choices to leave, uh, leave God's path and go his own way, and to disobey God. He's now tormented. And the irony is is that the next anointed king is the one that was chosen to come before him and play on a harp and sing psalms to him in order to soothe him when he got in those fits of rage and that depression. And here he is, brought before Saul in this moment, because he says, 
he'll go and take on this giant. And you can see that the hurt and the pain and, and animosity of the lids that we face in life, they're complicated, aren't they? Just like in this situation where it's so intertwined their lives and how broken it is. Sometimes with the lids and the challenges that we're facing and the expectations that people place on us, it's not, as, it's not a simple, easy story. It's so complicated and the threads are so twisted together it can seem like we can't untangle it at all. It's messy. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistines to fight him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Now, David here, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of, of that righteous anger from God. But as bold as he is, he isn't arrogant. He isn't dismissive or disrespectful to his family or towards Saul. He doesn't allow their lids to, on him to be the defining authority for him. David had, in private, learned to trust God to deliver him that God could, could sustain him, that God could lid, lift lids and put on new ones. And see, God will often work out something in us in private before we step into the moments where he wants us to redefine reality for others. Because where God has genuinely called you, you need to trust God to work in and then through you. So even when Saul relented and acknowledged God's hand was on David, he still felt that David should go into the fight in a different way. And so David strapped his, being Saul's sword, over his armor, meaning Saul's armor. And you, if you remember from before when we talked about Saul, he was a head taller than anybody else, which would include David. And so you can know that this would not fit right. And as he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. And then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And so David put them off. And then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. It's in these moments that there's an, there's an in, internal battle before the challenge that we're facing. And in humility, we need to ask and evaluate whether how people have defined us, our limits, our reality, or does God have a different story for us? Another level that he thinks that we can go to. Because in breaking the lids of family and teachers and leaders they put on us, it's tough. But so can be stepping out when they were actually right. And so it takes humble submission and trusting God in his word that must lead us. Because notice, David didn't go rogue on everyone in, in his life. He was still serving God, still following Samuel's lead, but he didn't accept the lids of the people who didn't know who he truly was. 
So as well, to step into his divine destiny, nowhere does he throw away the relationships. What he does is prioritize how God has worked and will work in his life. So I want you to follow me carefully on this part. So how we handle removing lids people have defined us by is critical. If people have defined you one way or have put a lid on you saying you can only be this, you can only do this, you can only live this way, discarding a lid is wholly different than discarding a person. No matter their, intre- their intentions, how we treat others speaks to how God is growing in us. Now, this doesn't mean uh, in tough situations where removing lids will cause a lot of issues that we just take all the hits. That's not what I'm advocating for at all. Boundaries can be absolutely good and godly things. Now, when people who have had lids on your life and you remove that lid, you may need to set boundaries in place so they can't try to force that lid back on you. That can be helpful when you're trying to process this. But we need to be careful on how we do that. We should be careful not to put lids on others that have previously tried to limit us. Saying stuff like, they'll never change. It's just who they are. This is the way they've always done it. Words like that sound much more like our adversary than our Lord. And so as we close today, we want to reflect and we want to see how the Holy Spirit can use God's word to grow us spiritually and emotionally. And maybe God will use some of the questions that I'm going to ask you here to begin a process of change within you. So the first question I'd ask you this is this. What lids is God lifting off you today? What lids is God lifting off you today? How does he want you to handle the relationship? How have people cornered you in, labeled you as something, limited you? What does he want to lift off of you today? Second question. How has the Holy Spirit gifted you? What is God's assignment for you in this season? If you're a a regular attender here in our church, that means God has a role for you to play in who we are. And it could be more than just being an usher or working on cafe or in kids. It's a part of the maturing of who we are and the discipling of who we are and the building up of who we are. There's gifts that you have that God wants to use. And even if you can't serve in all those ways, there's ways that he does want to use you in our community here. So what is your assignment in this season? And because we shouldn't always see ourselves as the hero in the story like we saw last week, but also in this case as David's brothers and maybe Saul, what lids are you putting on others 
that you need to repent of. Will you go to them, repent, and affirm that God has a better story? Is there somebody in your life that you have in your actions or your words said, like, this is where you cap. This is the best that you can be. This is the direction in life you should probably take because I don't think you have more than that. Do you need to go and humbly ask for forgiveness for putting a lid on them that isn't God's lid, but just yours? Because releasing others from unhealthy lids that we've put on them is all about submitting to a God-given limit of allowing Him to speak identity, Him to speak calling, Him to speak assignment to them. And for us just to affirm that, not speak that. And discovering both our gifts and assignment is all about us submitting to the healthy God-given limit and breaking free from the unhealthy, limited perspective of others. But God does want you to grow today. He does want you to remove those lids. And I pray that you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you in that. Let's pray. we just thank you. We thank you that you just blew off the lid of what was possible in our lives. Because we have an enemy that will tell us that we are stuck and lost in our own sin. That we are unsavable. And that we make a mess of everything that we do. God, you blow off that lid when you say that you will come and forgive us, redeem us, restore us, empower us, renew us. God, we just thank you for that. And God, I pray if there's anybody here today that has not yet accepted you as their Lord and Savior, has not yet believed in you, to give them a new identity in you, God. I pray that today would be the day that they come to you, they believe in you, and they spend the rest of their life following you. And God, wherever we are, whether we've been following you for years or, we've, or weeks, God, God, I pray that you would help us discern the lids that have been put on us that are not from you and allow you to re-identify us the way you want to. And God, I pray that you would convict us of the times where we put lids on others and we need to repent of that and allow you, you to put the lid on, you to set who they are and give them their assignment. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, for just speaking to our hearts even now. Give us boldness and courage to ask forgiveness. Give us boldness and courage to step out from under the lids that others have defined us as. 
Give us boldness and courage to put in boundaries to protect ourselves from when they want to put the lids back on, God. And help us to do this all in humility and love. We pray this in your name, Jesus.